Well, here we are again. Welcome back to Faux Pop Film School. Episode two. Episode two. Yeah. We had such a, a deluge of, of listener and viewer mail last time. Oh, I couldn't it, believe it. It's it. insane, actually, the amount of mail. I actually haven't been able to go through it all. Overwhelming so support. Much, but we really appreciate everybody yeah. checking it out and listening in and hearing support. the first part of our story. We didn't have any mail. <laughs> no. But... I get it. It's like things have to develop, and you can't expect them to develop uh, immediately. That's true with anything. It's mm -hmm. kind of true to, like... It's like puberty. Yeah, and it's kind of like the story we're telling that started many years ago. But we're moving up now. Yeah, moving on up. <laughs> that aged me, didn't it? I'll play Sherman Hemsley. <laughs> and you can play... Uh, I don't remember Wheezy's name. What was I that actress's I name? I can't remember. I, I keep thinking Esther Roll, but she was in Good Times, the mum in Good Times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, the tip of my tongue. Ah, I shouldn't have went there, but... Shouldn't have gone. So, um, as many of you know, Mark Hussey, Randall Lobb, here we are. We are the two owners, the Cooners, co-owners mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. the dash of Faux Pop Media. We are uh, two of the filmmakers who have brought you Turtle Such Power. films as Turtle Power. The Definitive History <laughs> the definitive of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We would have brought you The Power of Grace called The Definitive History of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, but we're still working on it. Yeah. We would have brought you A Riddle of Steel, The mm -hmm. Definitive History of Conan the Barbarian, but well, we're waiting for many things to happen. Or we could have brought you A Gamer's Journey, The Definitive History of Shenmue, but we're waiting for things yeah, to happen. This uh, yeah. world that we're in, that we've in, in which we've immersed ourselves, we are really not under our own power, are we? Oh, well, there's a lot of factors as to the timing of things. That is for sure. So today we had a meeting. Mm -hmm. I mean, we don't have to reintroduce the concept every time, do no, we? No, I don't think so. It's faux pop film school. Yeah. We don't teach you how to do it. We teach you how we did it. Mm -hmm. And you can decide if you want to do it like that or not. Yeah. It's like by process of elimination. Yeah, and, and, in, yeah, and inspiration. <laughs> Ideally. Yo, we inspire yo, people to go, elimination. not like that. Inspiration. But today we met with Isaac Elliott Fisher. We did. He's our yeah, partner in Definitive again. Films. We just came off uh, a month long. Are we allowed to say the title? We maybe shouldn't say the title, but he was on a movie shooting as a cinematographer for a month up and north. I just, to do a little recap of what we said last week, we said there's a certain mindset that we had that helped. The mindset to work with others, the mindset to, you know, mm -hmm. to be willing to get out there and interface with people who have skill sets you don't have. And mm -hmm. I think if, without taking Isaac's story away from him, one of the things that he did is he fit into that milieu up there shooting for them because he has so many skill sets. That he does. He wears, He's a little Swiss Army knife. He does. He wears a lot of hats. He does. Yeah. He He's is a talented like, young uh, man. If he was a Swiss Army knife... He would be like a toothpick and nail clippers. Yeah. 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 Don't mix those up. No way, man. <laughs> so today we wanted to talk about this, this whole thing. Everything that we have, this building, everything is because of a freak meeting, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, you were on a path. I was on a path. We were on a path. Then our paths crossed very briefly. Yes. You were on a bike, I think. I don't even think we'd get there yet. Oh, okay. You have to talk about SEG. <clears throat> oh, yeah. So, Saintless Entertainment Group. What is that? That was a company that 
came out of the music again. We talked yeah. about last episode how everything that I know how to do really came out of um, the music and having to learn how to do things beyond the music for myself and for ourselves. It was ourselves. the need. And this was early days of the internet, and you're starting to see the potential. Can you say the year? Do you know the year? <sighs> Late 90s. So it's, you know, things have already started to happen. I believe, mm -hmm. I'm trying to think, like this Napster's maybe already happening, right? Would that be 97, 98, yeah, 99? Yeah, in and around there. Things like that, and music, you know, is online. We're getting music. You're starting to see, you're already starting to see the shift, or at least feel the shift, you know, in the industry. Um, you Why don't know, we just quick for timing, yeah. engineer Ty, just if we start talking about like Napster or whatever, just do a quick Google on the side and just pump the ear because it, it's going to come up into play here. Yeah, we got to so make sure we're accurate. You saw things in the internet that made you think. Okay, something is happening. Does that say 2003? It does say 2003. Wow. That's the company. Yeah. Does that mean that Sean Parker was, that was all happening then? So that's, it's the early 2000s. Well, let's say, let's say, ever. let's say, well, SEG would be around 2002, 2003. Okay, well, then let's say you know, that. Actually, because it's after we released Saintless uh, record and you, called Saintless what in was 2001. Point, what was the point of this company? Saintless Entertainment Group named after the band, the album rather. Yeah. Saintless. That's right. So we created this other company called Saintless Entertainment Group, um, which the idea of the company was to go beyond our music and start including kind of what we're talking about other bands how can we network bands into an online you know on online somehow give everybody a profile uh, a place to put their music digitally that people could purchase download all that kind of stuff and try to organize some of that that was a lot of the thinking at the time is really around music and creating like a what creating something similar to what iTunes became or those kinds of kinds of things obviously in an indie in an indie format because we weren't connected you know to the major right. labels and things like that but finding a way to bring all of these bands that we we're playing shows with together okay and, so you're out at shows and you're meeting these other bands in the mm -hmm. same sort of space and you're saying there should be a network that connects mm -hmm. them all that's together. right yeah and mm -hmm. you know obviously we weren't the only people thinking along no. those lines but you were thinking about putting that uh putting that together using some web building skills. That's right. It's one of those things that you look at, and we were getting a group of people together and programmers together and kind of in a position of how do we fund this and all of that kind of stuff. And you kind of, and then that kind of fell apart for various reasons. Um, you know, but, but you sometimes think, imagine if, you know, you had made it work because you're there right at the, Right at the beginning of some of these things that did work for a lot of uh, big companies that are big now. So you were in SEG, you had some coders, you had some other musicians, you were mm -hmm. playing around. My brother was yeah, involved. Yeah, Rick Lobb was, was involved in because he was in a band. And you, uh, uh, your brother's brother-in-law, Lars, mm -hmm. was he involved? Yeah, and he worked at Microsoft, so he was involved. And probably the pinnacle, no pun intended, was... Uh, going out to Seattle mm -hmm. um, to meet with Lars, and we climbed a mountain for yes. a few days to have kind of a business retreat. <laughs> that's so, that's so you. Oh, oh my, 
nerve his is nerve. going off. Guys, his nerve is going Can't off. laugh. I'm going to adjust my mic. And for those of you listening and watching in horror, and maybe yeah, you can't see because there's a close-up. Do we want to explain this to Well, people? this is kind of one of, a byproduct of what we're talking about, Full Pop Film School. So you young people that are getting into <laughs> editing, especially you editors mm-hmm. and colorists and people that sit in front of computers all the time, if you notice my eye here watering, I have something called trigeminal neuralgia that about six years ago, uh, it was diagnosed and we'll just do the short version of it but basically the my neck if you did an x-ray of my neck you'd see it's curved a little bit because it's curved a little bit it's pushing against a blood vessel that's pushing against a nerve mm-hmm. that comes up and gives me all the feelings in my face and because those things are touching each other my brain is confused and says that's not a good no. feeling that is pain and then you have these nerves that fire off. They and fire it's excruciating. off. It's very painful. And it's numbed down because I'm taking a drug right now. So it's not as intense as it has been, but it's still... Well, you know, I have a problem too. Yes, you do. I was breathing into the mic, and look what engineer Ty put up on the monitor. <laughs> How do I stop breathing blowing that into the mic? Please help. Funny. It must have been perfectly aimed. Got some plosives going. Was it... Now, Engineer Ty, was it me or was it Mark? Both of us. He's communicating with us in a rudimentary well, that's pretty, manner. That's pretty, it's like a rival. We yeah. have to figure out what what is the communication from this alien. That's right. I, it's good that you were looking at the monitor. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even noticing. I, was I don't just, know. Maybe you have to move your mic around. It could be. And us. I apologize then you uh, audio files out there. I'd be the first to. Uh, I'm yeah. not. To, I don't like it either. To be bothered by that. I, I don't like it either. So anyway, Listen, I, I was doing something before SEG. I thought you and I were at the same time doing this kind of like, wow, we got to build this and do this. Well, I mean, the thinking of it was way before that. Oh, that was just where it all started it all to, to come together, where mm-hmm. we're actually going to do something like this. You know, back before when Internet was new and all that, you started to see the potential mm-hmm. of, um, you know, bringing things together, information together, curating things, you know, all of that. So, you know, but that, that's just me and my brain not me with a bunch of people in my brain that'd be a great title for <laughs> ideas your you know like a lot of the things and i know you would say exactly the same thing a lot of the things that we've seen emerge and become um successful or prominent in our day-to-day use were ideas and things that you i know also were thinking about at the dawn of the internet the dawn uh well yeah in 91 91, 90, 92, I was interested in the internet and how it would fit into education mm-hmm. and hobbies. And we had earlier been on that. We talked about the bulletin board system and then it was expanded. And this, I remember being at University of Waterloo and it might have been 91 in around there. And I, I saw the, they had mosaic, I believe. The, the Netscape mm-hmm. showing, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and it was this, mm-hmm. you know, very slow screen draw. Yeah. And I remember one of the people who was there in the computer lab looking. I had a buddy who who was a, either a grad student or was teaching there at the time. Looked over, like to see if you could see behind the screen draw. Like, <laughs> what's happening behind there? And I remember thinking as I was sitting there, I, I just knew how 
to put education online mm -hmm. very quickly. Mm -hmm. And so I was teaching in small town, Clinton, Ontario, and the, at the time there was an initiative to how do we get tech into the schools? Tech like maybe a printer or you know, some kind of OCR technology, mm -hmm. a scanner mm -hmm. of some sort. Mm -hmm. And I was assigned with telling the other teachers about what could happen with the internet. Mm -hmm. So it was 90, as I say, 91, 92. I had this session and the people were sitting in this room, this lab, and I talked about what was going to happen. I remember one of the things specifically that I said was that you would track, you would be able to track keywords mm -hmm. and hypertext. Right. And so yeah. you could on the fly find out what words mean and look yeah, at them. You could click on something and <laughs> and then I said and eventually you would be able to see imagery mm -hmm. attached to those words and eventually perhaps movies and music. Mm -hmm. And people sitting out there were thinking, how would this ever happen in education? And I yeah. would say something like, well imagine you are teaching Shakespeare and you want to see some sequences from a play or any sequence from the play at any point in time and going into this thing and talking about how event eventually you could see it being used for entertainment. And mm -hmm. Anyway, mm -hmm. one person in that room was interested, Steve Baker. Mm -hmm. He's now the principal of Virtual High School. Mm -hmm. He and I began to talk. We ended up teaching at the same school within a couple of years. And he said, you know, tell me more about the internet. And I looked at all his binders and I said, all that we can put mm -hmm. online. And he mm -hmm. said, what is online? We talked about what that meant, and he is one of those kind of people who says, I'm gonna learn code. Mm -hmm. And he taught himself HTML, and we mm -hmm. started this dog and pony show talking about education. And from that, because I was teaching media and teaching the history of media and how to implement media into course material and all that, I started to combine media and internet and thinking, mm -hmm. thought experiments, and say to him, we should figure out how to do this, and how to do that, and how to do this, and how to do that. So <clears throat> the frustration for me, as always is, I am useless. I'm good at thinking up stupid things and then not being able to exercise on them or act on them. So there's that thing. We need to find the people who mm -hmm. help us fulfill whatever we're unable to do, and then we can work together to build something. And the right people. That's important. That's true. You know? I mean, I had been in different scenarios up to meeting you, before meeting you. And even that SCG, there was good people that came together and there were reasons why it didn't work. You know, and I think you uh, this are the same as me. You know, it's like we're kind of loners, both of us. Like, self-admittedly, we're both kind of loners, unless you're with the right people. What people don't know is we're actually not in the same space yeah. right now. <laughs> For those of you who are watching on YouTube, there's we're green screen, so like yeah, we're in separate yeah, yeah. places. These are that's these right. It's all, all fake. And we're in. Um, he's in his cellar, and I'm in my cellar. Mm -hmm. in this, because the audio you know, don't want to. We don't want to venture it into the world. Yeah, we're loners. Yeah, mm -hmm. but it's important to find people that you can be yourself with, transparent with, all of that, I and that. Look forward to that. <laughs> so, I'll I'll race into the two thousand. Yeah. Oh, okay, let's what race. What year was the uh, What year was the tsunami in Thailand? Two thousand four. You're talking to the wrong guy about he, these. He doesn't types know how to spell tsunami. T S. So, <laughs> you did a show. At the livery, right? A mm -hmm. benefit, yeah. Around uh, Christmas, that's right. Yeah, mm -hmm. whenever that was. Yeah, and 
I was at that show and I had a vivid experience. My brother told me, um, you got to go and see this band. I said, oh, I'm going anyway. My wife wants to go. It's the, the benefit for the tsunami. Mm -hmm. And at the show, your band played and I could clearly hear music mm -hmm. that you weren't, weren't playing. playing. Yeah. <laughs> I could hear parts yeah. that I thought, yeah. oh, that's what they should do. Yeah. And my whole life I've had this thing where uh, I can hear, this is not, I'm not bragging. I'm sure lots of people can do this. I would hear 2004, they say, mm -hmm. I could hear parts of music. So if I was listening to uh, a band, I would be able to hear the bass and mm -hmm. listen to the bass mm -hmm. line all the way through if I mm -hmm. wanted or whatever. So bands like The Who that had really interesting instrumentation, the bass player and drummer, very talented, is very vivid and rich experience mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. me. And I was listening to your band and I was hearing parts that I thought would be in the song that weren't in the song, which was very strange. Mm -hmm. And I told my brother, and he said, you should tell them, right. the band that. And I said, yeah, they're going to love that. Hey, I can't play any instruments, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm going to tell you what you should do. No. That's, and he said, they're the only band that would probably accept that information at face value. Yeah. So <clears throat> I True. had this invitation that I was to come up to your apartment sometime huh, yeah. and talk to mm -hmm, you. Didn't mm -hmm. happen, didn't right, happen. Right, okay. Mm -hmm. That same year, I was writing something with Stephen Price, mm -hmm. and we were working with the guy that owned Evening at the Improv, and trying to come up with something, you know, I don't know if I, how much I'm allowed to say, but rappers, basically, mm -hmm. for repackaging the acts, the comedians acts, and mm -hmm. how would we repackage that and put it out there and mm -hmm. people would watch it all over again and it would be exciting and new, it would be animated around it. So we were writing something and putting it together and end up in LA and I was writing in a guy's place, nice, nice fellow writer named Michael Miller and mm -hmm. Michael Miller and I hit it off and we were friendly and Stephen Price was there and we were writing and it was going to be great and right. this was going to be the, here we <laughs> the go, thing. here we go, this is yeah. going to happen. Mm -hmm. and came back from LA and was watching it fall apart in real time <laughs> and was coming back from the gym and my brother hadn't seen me since I came back. Right, and I was with from Rick, LA. I and guess. you were with my brother yeah. on my street right. under a street light that mm -hmm. was broken or off mm -hmm. outside of the Pickell's house. Mm -hmm. Yep, I you remember. You were smoking that. Mm -hmm. in the in the middle of the road, in the dark, and right. I was riding my bike. Yeah, I rounded the corner and I see my brother. Well, in the dark, mm -hmm. and I don't know who this mysterious figure is with him. And he goes, "Hey, Rand." I pull over, and you're smoking. And I, hey, Mark. And he goes, "This is the guy from the right." Goes, I said, "Oh yeah, cool." And he goes, "So you just got back from LA?" I said, "Oh yeah, I was." Uh, Great, it's awesome. <laughs> uh, like a lot of the right. things that yeah. I'm involved with, it was, <laughs> it was amazing it was for amazing. a very short yeah, time yeah. and began to slide quickly into not as amazing. And you said this, you need to finish the book first. <laughs> now, ladies and gentlemen at home, I, he said that for no reason. He did not no. know me. He mm -hmm. didn't know anything that I was working on except the three seconds he had just heard. Yeah. And he said, you need to finish the book first. Mm -hmm. And I said, what? What are you talking about? I just went, what? <laughs> and he said, I don't know. 
And yeah. I said, well, what does that mean? And he said, I don't know. <laughs> and I looked at Rick, and Rick is laughing and goes, he does this. He does this. <laughs> and I said, he does what? He does what? He says things like this. Out of so the blue. Mm-hmm. I say, okay. And then you took a drag, <laughs> and you went, we'll be partners. You and I will work together. We'll be partners. And I yeah. went, Okay, really? crazy man. Ah, I went, here. really? Mm. Hmm. Good to know. Yeah. Got on my bike, went home. Probably said to my wife, I just met a crazy guy down the street. Yeah. Out in front of Picasso. No, no, you probably did. Remember that band? Yeah. And she's like, yeah. yeah. Well, said, the, he's crazy. Yeah. Well, he's crazy. Bass player's crazy. And then she's like, oh, well, didn't Rick tell you you're going to go and have a meeting with him in his apartment? I said, oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't cool. wait. That should be fun. <laughs> Do you remember that? You oh, remember. I, I remember it. I remember it. I don't remember the same detail as you. And those kinds of things, as your brother said, happened a lot and still do from time to time. So how does that work? I don't know. I mean, my theory is... Can I just quickly stop? Mm -hmm. People who are listening, people who are watching, we're about to take a turn (laughs) to some really non-faux-pop film school stuff right? and it'll happen many times because of the weirdness factor that we have attracted. But I would say that where it fits into the film school part mm-hmm. and fits into the equation of things we've talked about is that that thing of intuition, you know, that thing of, you know, um, working with people where you can, you know, I've said this many times, where you can be yourself, where, where you can throw your ideas, mm-hmm. you know, because there's ideas and it's the same with the internet stuff we were talking about right you know the internet is a catalyst to ideas and thoughts and things you know we started thinking about those things you were thinking about them i was thinking them. i tried to do some things you tried to do some things and other people went and did those things Right? They sure did. Like, you know. I remember when I had the idea for YouTube. <laughs> right. Yeah, that was a great yeah. idea. That's right. So mm. there's a nothing. A lot of people had that idea. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. There's nothing really mystical about that. So no. my thinking, I don't know if this is true or not. Mm-hmm. The only way I can, I can understand it is that somehow maybe we're all connected somehow. And I've said that before, Mm -hmm. you know, that somehow maybe we're all individual minds, but then maybe we're all cells in a bigger consciousness or something. And that gives us the ability, if we choose to listen, like Steven Spielberg recently said, listen to the whisper, you know, if, yeah, if we choose to listen to the whisper, um, maybe there's information just floating around there that is you know, that's readily available to anybody. I don't think it's anything mystical or I've weird. I've said to you many times, I have no messages coming to me. There's, right. I'm not listening. Uh, by the way, engineer Ty has said, please don't laugh aiming down. Uh, it actually says, Mark, aim your head more up. <laughs> oh, because you're I'm, laughing. Into okay, your I got to watch the tell the prompt. It has a lot of value. It has a lot of valuable information here. We're getting a, a lot of signals yeah, from of engineer signals. Ty. Thank you. Engineer he is Ty. really helping us out today. So, I went to your apartment. Mm-hmm. You had uh, a wife. Yeah, well, <laughs> oh, just yeah. wait. You had a wife. Yeah. She was significantly younger than you. Mm-hmm. In fact, I S- taught her. Still is. Actually, really? she is still younger than I. You would think she would I. catch up over time. I know. It doesn't seem to work that way. Hmm. So I taught his wife. Uh, she was mm-hmm. a nice girl. Her mm-hmm. brother was in my mm-hmm. brother's band. Mm-hmm. Is still? They still play together yeah, sometimes. Yeah. They just yeah. played a show this weekend. Yeah. And. Uh, I so I knew her. I knew Sarah, and I thought, oh yeah, Sarah. And 
Isn't Sarah like a little girl? Why she <laughs> this mysterious man who knows things about me and smokes cigarettes, which I thought was a and, and, it, and it is gross. Yeah. It is gross to yeah. smoke cigarettes. It turns out uh, new findings coming in all the time about cigarettes and that mm. they're not good. So yeah. uh, you've another health tip from Faux Pop Film School. So I went up to the apartment and I believe some of the band or all of the band was there, your brothers, and maybe not your sister who was with you at yeah. the time. Huh. And we talked about the music mm -hmm. and I thought to myself, and I still think this, I have never in my life talked to people more <laughs> willing to listen to other people and accept the information that they give. Hmm, that's interesting. I could have said to you guys, you know what you should probably do? You should probably play nude and <laughs> Smother yourselves with mustard. Peanut butter or and something. Peanut, and you guys, they up. Hmm. Okay, well, that's interesting. That's yeah. a good idea. You weren't dismissive. No. You uh, seemed to accept it as a good idea that I tell you what I heard. Mm. And in fact, we started to work together and you said to me, would you like to produce our, our music, our album? And I said, <laughs> uh, yeah, of course I would. <laughs> Which was the start of, I would describe. Yeah, this is definitely the start. Many. Many, 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 many hours trying to make that album. Oh my goodness, we took years making that uh, record. Years, the boy, the boy in December record. That so people could find it. It's if they want to know what we yeah. did, we spent years. Yeah. What year was record. it released? Two thousand. You have to look it up on. Uh, yeah, I think it was we around two thousand nine. Yeah, a long time. Four or five years putting together an album. Mm -hmm. uh, the songs had so many versions of the songs yeah but it was a good setup for us working together yes because we yeah. realized oh well we don't have to lie we don't have to have social lies and social politeness no nope. uh, we can yeah. be creatively open to say that sucks that's awesome mm -hmm. you play bass and i would literally sing bass parts to you and you would go okay i'll try that yeah that's that's, that's yeah. a lot of trust. <laughs> I would love to bring some clips up. That would be probably of, terrible. Of uh, some of those producing sessions. You probably actually have Oh, clips. we'll have clips. That, that is yeah. not good to listen to. Oh. I would sing guitar parts. <laughs> Your brother would play those parts. I would say drum parts. He would play drum parts. Like it's, it's, yeah, basically, you were, we were just your instrument. You would take any <laughs> suggestion and see, okay, let's yeah, give well, it a go. I think that's important you know, yeah. with anything creative is to take suggestions. It doesn't mean you're going to, oh, you know, you're not sitting there going, yes, yes, that's no, the way no, to No, no, it's just it's, you it's, try. Let's, it's worth a try, worth you know, a try. and it's the same, you know, bringing it back to filmmaking, which is another yeah. creative thing. There's a lot of things that are very similar in that uh, regard. My point exactly. Yeah. The, the willingness to listen to someone who maybe they don't know how to play bass but they've mm. listened to guitars and basses mm -hmm. and they have ideas about music and they seem to know a lot i knew a lot of songs that you guys really didn't grow up with mm -hmm. and i would say things yeah. and you would go hmm, let's try it and sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't but mm -hmm. the point is developing this core trust and we're all in this together we're all trying to build something and that's a great base yeah turned out to be <clears throat> a great base for us to different bass than a bass guitar yeah. b-a-s-e to move into the next phase that's right and the next phase being you know it's interesting you know f you know back to my my story of everything that i i can actually uh, that i know how to do and everything that i'm doing now really came out of the music mm -hmm. you know and, and there's this is another case in point 
you know, it was out of the music that we begin to talk and, you know, we'd finish band practice or recording sessions and then chit chat and talk. Mm-hmm. And we f- start finding we have similarities mm-hmm. I- in ideas and thoughts <laughs> you and things. iTunes and yeah. I invented <laughs> YouTube. Yeah, we both invented these things. We and invented the internet. We're trying to figure out how to sue, you know, Google and Apple, but we to no avail. No, 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 no. What fact, we actually thought was, hey, we've been the people who have had these crazy ideas for years that we didn't work Act at on and indulge to the point of like the yeah. people who deserve all the credit who have the mm-hmm. guts and mm-hmm. take the risk mm-hmm. and do the work that's right and i think that was the realization for yeah. us oh the risk the mm-hmm. guts the work mm-hmm. you already had the guts and the work and the risk um <laughs> wait a minute what did i bring <laughs> hmm. let's not delve too deeply into that but the idea was proven to work because of Richard Fatusi. That's right. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do, 100%. And so, that, what year was that? I moved to Germany in 2006. Mm-hmm. July of 2006, I went to Germany. Whilst I was in Germany, mm-hmm. that's the year that Jordi Saba reached out to me and said, that's would right. you be interested in writing a script off from an idea? Mm-hmm. And I said, yes. So mm-hmm. I worked on that mm-hmm. when I was over there. Mm-hmm. And that's the year that Richard was putting together material and struggling that he had worked with other people. Mm -hmm. No names need be mentioned. No, no, no. He Mm -hmm. couldn't come up with a a movie. They didn't have an entry. And just to fill people in on Richard, another local uh, person here from near Mm -hmm. where we live, a photographer, uh, journalist. Wanted to be a photojournalist, maybe his whole life. And he was embedded with the Canadian soldiers in um, Iraq. Nope. No, Afghanistan. Afghanistan. I'm so mixing up my wars. So he's looking at 88 hours of this doc through 2007, <laughs> 8, 9, or whatever, and you think you would remember that? I know, but this is my dys- dyslexia no. that will come out in this podcast over and many, over many and times. over again. So Richard had embedded himself as a as a citizen journalist mm-hmm. with the Canadian forces fighting in <laughs> Afghanistan. I'm just laughing because of the actual title of the movie. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's actually called Wages of Peace. <laughs> Waging Peace. Can- Waging Peace for Canada, Canada in, in Afghanistan. Afghanistan. I think Wages of Peace and is it's, Wages of and it, yeah. Waging Peace. Yeah, the title actually has the word <laughs> Afghanistan. And it's out the there idea. on the YouTube that you, you invented, it. actually. It's actually out there on your invention. I am. <laughs> if, uh, I want to go on record and say I'm kidding <laughs> when I say that. I yeah. don't believe that I invented YouTube. Uh, uh, or or anything else, actually. <laughs> I just made two children, but I mostly leaned on my wife for that. So this idea was that we were going to... I didn't just lean on her. That's not how babies are born. Let's, <laughs> just, just let's clear make that, that clear. That yeah. is not how babies are made. That's a totally different podcast. We'll yeah. get into that in another day. That's right. Uh, it, it's complex. It, it's complex. It There's is. a lot of stuff going on. Richard embeds himself with Canadian military. He gets about 88 hours of footage. Of footage. Unbelievably and horrifically, mm-hmm. one of the things that he captures is the aftermath of the death of someone mm-hmm. who's a family friend of your family. That's right. I was going to say that the, the, um, what the degrees of separation are, are just crazy. You know? And so Richard, who is someone we know. Richard is from a nearby town. And happens... Happens to be in the same vehicle uh, uh, behind behind um, um, 
Matthew Dinning. Matthew Dinning's vehicle that uh, a lot of people would remember. Canadian soldier Matthew Dinning is in a, a light armored vehicle ahead of the vehicle that Richard's in. Richard doesn't know that he is in a vehicle behind the vehicle Matthew Dinning's in. Matthew Dinning is from 45 minutes away mm -hmm. here in these very small towns and Matt Dinning's vehicle runs over an ID and Matt is killed along with some other people mm -hmm. in the vehicle. And Richard's caravan stops. It's very disturbing and Richard shoots the aftermath. Nothing grotesque. He doesn't, obviously the military wouldn't want that to happen. And, and Richard knew he wanted to lead up to that and he wasn't mm -hmm. sure how to approach it. He was struggling to mm -hmm. find a storyline and working with other people is very difficult. He approached us and said, as I'm back from Germany, 2007, he mm -hmm. said, can you guys help? Mm -hmm. So I began to research, write and plan how to do the front end mm -hmm. and you were going to do the post-production. Mm -hmm. And the editing on the on the project. And Matthew Dinning was a good friend of your brother, mm -hmm. Myron. Yeah, so there was a personal touch there. This was a good opportunity and us, well, I was confident, you know, when when Richard and Brooks, who was the other director, producer Green, yeah. on that uh, project, approached us, you know, there was that sense, you know, back to kind of that intuition thing, there's that sense of we can do this, like I know we can do this and do a great job of it and we're, we should do this. I want to go on record as saying I never think <laughs> we can do anything. And I think we can do anything. He thinks we can do so anything. So it's a good balance. And that, again, back to, you know, back to point number five at where, if we're, we're keeping a list, um, you know, it's important to have balance in any kind of partnership mm -hmm. team. You need to have optimism, you need to have pessimism. You need to have, you know, a realism, you need to have dreamer or visionary. Um, you need to have the good guy and the bad the guy. The good guy and the bad guy. You need to have... The bad guy. Hey, that's everybody. just up there. I'm the bad guy. Yeah. Um, we worked on that for a long time. We did. I did a bunch of research. I wrote narration for Richard. We shot mm -hmm. Richard. Um, it was early in our shooting career. Yeah. But the the narration is good. Yeah. We built a storyline. And, and the emotion is good. And when the you, emotion is good. Yeah. And, you know, we had enough research to join things together. You did a lot of post. Mm -hmm. It was maybe your first time developing such a work To that degree, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Doing a full full length. That was a fir definitely the, ver the first full mm -hmm. length film but that I had ever worked on. But it was minutes, I think, mm -hmm. in the end. Again, it's on YouTube, Waging Peace, Canada in Afghanistan. Uh, you can go see it, Richard Fatusi. And we did all the Green. music for it and everything. Like it was yeah. like the whole from, yep. it was kind of the proof of concept of from start to finish. And the only thing we didn't do in that project was shoot the majority of the footage. Mm -hmm. Richard um, did that also. Yeah, but beyond that it was, we can take this in our basement, in our little yeah. office, in our little room and create a movie. So coming out of that and it becoming successful, heh, wait a minute, was it successful? How about this? Was it 2009, Richard was told he approached uh, Canadian networks, CBC, CTV, mm -hmm. and the, the quote that they gave him was that the news is afghan out. Yeah, we're, we're done with Afghanistan. We're There's no more Afghanistan mm -hmm. material that is needed. Mm -hmm. Thank you. 2009, done. Mm -hmm. It's over. Yeah. Uh, turns out it wasn't. By the way, yeah. <laughs> turns out there was more ahead. Yeah. But uh, 
It was very difficult for Richard to try and find an audience for it. The military liked it. It was sold in the PX. Mm -hmm. That wasn't, we were not part of that. That was not really where we were involved. We did a little bit of press. Mm -hmm. I did a little bit of press mm -hmm. with Richard. It ended up on a, a very low tier Canadian network for some time. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting in that regard. Mm -hmm. But we immediately developed this idea that we could form a company and mm -hmm. that we could do this on a repeated basis. I would say the idea of forming a company was actually those walks in Germany. It was before. It was before. Yeah. And but I th I think you're right. I don't think we solidified that idea until after we, we made the company. I believe 2007. Yeah. Yeah. Right after there. that. Yeah. Uh, people might say, why did we use the term faux pop media? Do you remember that? Well, for me, it was always kind of a joke. How so? Well, faux pop and fake, yeah, and fake we're pop. like making this fake company. Yeah. You know, to not do fake projects, but. There's just something funny about the idea, yeah. I guess, that we would make a company. Yeah, faux means it's French for fake or false mm. and false pop. Yeah. We had this idea that we'd never be successful. We, had, yeah. we were doing podcasts early too. That's right? right, we were doing podcasts. And part of the joke was that we would always talk about our big mailbag. We had a lot of letters from yeah. fans <laughs> Just like in. we started the show. That's callback yeah. and we would do these podcasts i don't even know some of them are still around some of them we used to do five or six a day there and if you dig if you do a search i'll give you a little hint if you go to fopop.tv even though you're only seeing the newer podcasts mm -hmm. that we're doing if you do a search in the search mm -hmm. bar of that website mm -hmm. you might find some old stuff you'll find some 2009 yeah. Yeah. but i don't think the earliest stuff maybe it is there somewhere oh i think it is mancast <laughs> Testosticast. Testosticast. Wow, <laughs> these are these are bad old good old uh, yeah. good old times. But we good knew, conversations. We knew we wanted to do podcasts. We mm -hmm. knew we wanted to do something again like waging peace. Mm -hmm. um, we began to do some other stuff. We don't won't go into detail with this, but we started to do some other stuff with Richard. We got involved in helping in in uh, different capacities on other projects that mm -hmm. they were involved in. Yeah, we ended up doing a lot of things for NGOs. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of stuff for uh, Cambodia and the landmine mm -hmm. stuff. Mr. Akira, Mr. Cambodian Akira. landmine but, structures, yeah. uh, Canadian landmine foundation. Uh, you did some stuff for Iris. Mm -hmm. So Iris Asia. And I was at that time. That's when I met uh, YouTube director Patrick Boivin. Mm -hmm. Wow, so, it's that long ago. Yes. Oh my goodness, time flies. So uh, I wrote a screenplay called Two Guys Who Sold the World." Mm -hmm. And Patrick Boivin, you can go and search him out right now. He is, for real, a genius. Mm -hmm. He is most known for Iron Baby, mm -hmm. which he put out on YouTube. It's a short video mm -hmm. that uh, is It's a good his, thing you invented that, actually. Super yeah. good idea. I so that he could have put that out him. because that yep. made him a success. He probably would have never met, actually. Al Gore and I put yeah. it together mm -hmm. as part of our one-two package <laughs> yeah. uh, back then. Uh, but Patrick was he's from montreal he's a brilliant director he, is. he was doing a water bottle tour sort of thing where you go down to los angeles and they say you know we loved iron baby would mm. you like to do this would you like mm. to do that and they were throwing projects at him and he didn't like anything right somehow he got hold of this script i had written this feature two guys who sold the world which was a, a very funny script and had some mm -hmm. funny elements to it and he loved it and he reached out and through jordy saba a producer you know, we ended up getting together and working this project, and I thought this was going to be a thing. So yeah. that's at the same time as you're very busy developing your, you know, your post production on these other projects, mm -hmm. and 
we started to do these smaller projects in the mm -hmm. area. We were mm -hmm. going to do some advertising and marketing. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. You know, we were just developing sort of these other little things. And I thought my writing career would take off with Patrick Boivin. And I would be doing Two Guys Who Sold the World. And then we did a, a thing called Dead Max, which mm -hmm. was the first zombie mm -hmm. superhero. Like mm -hmm. there was all mm -hmm. of this. All of these things. My writing was, was really going to take off. And that mm -hmm. takes us into 2008. Mm -hmm. When a young... A ridiculous person mm -hmm. basically ruined our lives. He did. He did. I can't imagine he even came and talked to us today. He came to talk to us today. Today. Normally, we would Skype him in. That's for next episode. Mm -hmm. Isaac Elliott Fisher will tell mm -hmm. his side of the story. But we don't want to go into that today. No, we don't yeah, want to talk I know. I it. want to talk about it. We You're can. making me want to talk about it. But we have to leave something with them. But what I want to say is, what what did we learn? What did what were the takeaways from the the, the failures? There were a lot of failures in 2004, mm -hmm, 5, 6, mm -hmm, 7, mm -hmm, 8. Mm -hmm. And I think in 9, things started to come together mm -hmm. in a certain way. First of all, why do we fail? Mm -hmm. We talked about it today in my kitchen with Isaac, mm -hmm. in a way. Mm -hmm. And if we're going to make it something that would be a lesson that we would, you know, we, here's how we screwed up and here's how we continue to screw up. How can we address the problem? What is it that was going wrong? Why did it take us four or five years to make an album? It took us four or five years to make five or six years to make Turtle Power. What is happening? It's a it's a good question. I don't know if I know the, exactly the answer, but I think that for me, it doesn't concern me as much as other people. I think it's coming to the realization that. I mean, there's all, there's all kinds of factors in life, and everybody and people that are listening to this podcast. Everybody's life is different. You know, some of you are, say, single and have the time to put all of your eggs into one basket. Mm -hmm. um, or all of your sperms into one egg. Or, it, it, yeah. That's a saying, isn't it? That's, that's a saying. That's, yeah, then be careful with that. But and that could be good, too. But anyway, these things happen, using that as a case in point. Mm -hmm. These things happen that change your path, change your life, affect your life. And yeah. the quality of your life... Um, so, Are you talking about work-life balance here? All kinds of things. Like just how I think both of us have so many ideas and things mm -hmm. that are going on. So it could be perceived that things get delayed because we have multiple irons in a fire. This is the thing that I wanted to talk about. And this is sort of the lesson of today's faux pop film school. Mm -hmm. Somebody would say, a young filmmaker might say, do I focus on one thing mm -hmm. and pursue it doggedly until mm -hmm. it is done? Or do I grab every ring that's <laughs> thrown at me, yeah. which is what we do, mm -hmm. and, and try, try to, to juggle. juggle it? And whether it's good or bad is still yet to be determined, I suppose. But I think that there's, it, I don't think it's fear. Maybe you would say it's fear. I'm like fear afraid. of what if that was the thing, you know, maybe to some well, degree, yeah. would, you, what, would you say? Okay, how many different drafts did I do on Two Guys Who Sold the World? Mm. So part of my story, I'm a writer and a director and now a producer, but in that time period, I was really focusing on my writing and I was mm. working with another direct with a director whose abilities far surpassed mine. Patrick is truly a visual stylist and a genius mm. with abilities in 
a field that I am so happy to say I can't do. So, I, or you would say, no, you can, we'll do it. Mm -hmm. But I would learn from him and listen to him and I focused as a writer. Now, why did I bring that up? It's all about the drafts. It's mm -hmm. all about mm -hmm. revisions. Mm -hmm. It's all mm -hmm. about, can this male character be a female character? Yes. Uh, why did you say that this character is black or this character is Asian? I would say because I want to force the multicultural element. Like I want to mm -hmm. see different kinds of people. Oh, well, you can't do this. You can't do that. If you make her black, then you have to, what, you know, whatever. A million different decisions that go into revisions, not even about the quality of the piece. Mm -hmm. And you begin to think about your project as though it, there's no such thing as a, a done. Right. It's yes. just a thing that keeps going and going. Mm -hmm. And the action of being in the flow mm -hmm. has its own weight, its own energy, and its own structure. And I feel like we're the kind of people who get caught in the flow. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we probably do get caught in the flow. Perfectionism. I'm I'm, perfectionism is my strength and weakness. So right. I'm thinking, as you're talking, you know, my there's something my dad used to say: here a little, there a little, line upon line. Like you're slowly building towards whatever that thing is. You know, so to me, it's like the. We should say quickly: his dad is a preacher. Yeah, so that's probably a scripture verse or something. Yes. It's probably in the Bible, which is fine. But there's some wisdom in the thought of that, in the sense that... It's additive. It's additive. That's right. So that's why I don't get too concerned about time and how long things take. Mm -hmm. Because to me, everything is a challenge. And I know from experience that everything that we take on... I always like to take on new things, new challenges. Yes, because at the end of that, I've got something new in my uh, in my toolkit. And, and we know this that, from last day. You always mm -hmm. want the new skill the new tool, yeah. the new thing that will yeah. help you get to the next level. That's next right. Phase, next like structure. what's going to advance us? What's going to take us? You know, what was it? And we'll get to this in probably episode six. Yeah, for of sure. Episode when six. we were delivering Turtle Power to Paramount. What, you know, oh, it was the additive of that. all of these things that we're slowly talking about. Mm -hmm. In fact, someone listening to this podcast might be right now like, get to that right now. No, we're no. going to take you through our whole, you. all of the years. <laughs> <laughs> no. Just kidding. We'll try to accelerate as fast as we, we will can. We will go quickly, but we do want to hit. There's a part of anyone's ramp up mm -hmm. when they're getting to the point where they can do the thing, mm -hmm. whatever it is, mm -hmm. where something's happening, where, you know, me sitting in my basement researching the Afghan mm -hmm. war and the history of mm -hmm. Afghanistan or whatever and how much time that takes. And me sitting in my basement shifting from PC to Mac to from Sony Vegas to Final Cut to, you know. Exactly. Okay. These are, oh, this these is are better. things that are mm -hmm. critical <laughs> yeah. because they, they round you. They mm. give you not just a host of skill sets, but it's a way of thinking that you don't get stopped. The stoppers aren't full stoppers. Mm -hmm. So if Richard's frustrated or Brooks is frustrated yeah. with us on That's waging right. peace. That's a good point. Right? Mm -hmm. And they say, hey, we need... Yes. Whatever it is, then we don't get, okay, I'm done. I no, quit. No, that that's 100% true. That and, is, yeah. And, but that's also a weakness because now <laughs> there, 
where's your end point? Mm -hmm. You can just keep, I can yeah. keep iterating. Yeah. yeah. Okay, they're not yeah. aliens, now they're cattle. Okay, yeah. <laughs> now it's not Vegas, it's Final Cut. Oh, oh yeah, okay, yeah, and, and yeah. we'll always. No, you're not wrong, yeah. And it Let's, becomes, yeah. for other people, mm -hmm. I'm guessing, mm -hmm. a kind of insanity that looks like we don't care about the end product. Mm -hmm. We're so immersed in the process yeah. that it becomes um, frustrating. But frustrating maybe to the observer, but it's the actually the thing that we get off on. I, well, there must be something to that. You know what I mean? You like have to it's, love what you're doing. Like as much as it's frustrating some days, mm -hmm. and we talk about the frustration of on another Sunday draft, another whatever, or another technical issue to solve. But there's something yeah. about like the you know I'll obsess over it till it's fixed, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and you will. Well, uh, too it, on the script. I wish I didn't and, have to. Somebody mm -hmm. would say, "Do you like writing?" Mm -hmm. And you know the old Dorothy Parker joke is, "No, but I love having written." Right. I don't. I don't. Even yeah. have that. Yeah, yeah. People would say, "Do you like writing?" I would say, "No." You know, it's a compulsion. I realize that probably part of both of us have one thing, and not just one thing, but one thing we have in common. I want to know what it is. I'll tell you what it is, and maybe this is part of what keeps us. We're self-analyzing here. Mark, head up. See, head up, head up. Here we go. We're self. Here we we're self-analyzing. We're digging in. <clears throat> but digging I wonder in. if. You know, the goal often for people is is not um, the product, but the adoration. Yes. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. You know what they I'm getting want to be at? in a play, they want the clap. Yeah, so yeah. I've got the script done, and everybody says, oh, what a great script. And that means nothing to you. No, it doesn't right? mean anything. And same with me. Oh, the movie's finished. Oh, what a great job color grading. You know, yeah. like it doesn't. That it's actually so maybe we delay. This oh, is a maybe. No. Maybe we delay subliminally so that oh, we can no. stay in the process. Oh no, no! I don't know. I'm gonna. Ha I might lean I'm, back. It's here. just a thought. It's just a thought. So we have a version of self sabotage. <laughs> What's no, the new I don't problem? Like this. I don't like this. No, I'm not saying it's I don't true. Like this. I'm not saying it's uh, true. Again, I'm going back to that. <laughs> creation of our company mm -hmm. and the feeling that by the way i should point out i had a full-time job at the time i'm a high school teacher mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i should point out i had two children mm -hmm. that were young mm -hmm. i should point out i had a wife mm -hmm. who was at in 2004 had a life-threatening disease mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we dealt with that and we moved to germany so yeah we're not talking about people who sacrifice all other aspects of their lives That's right. and devote themselves to one thing. Yeah. I was <clears throat> juggling full on. Yeah. You were juggling mm -hmm. full on as mm -hmm. well because you had a whole other job developing websites. Websites, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Doing technical work. And, the, and doing whatever you had to do to make ends meet and all well, that stuff. That, and we that should. life gets, you know. And it's what you said, it's that balance. And we, I think we said it earlier, you know, life work balance. But for us, work and is our life in a way. <clears throat> there is kind of a full immersion in it. Yeah. But that full immersion includes all of these other things. You try to plug them all in. And they're, they are important where, you know, we've made this joke before. Imagine if we're 
17 or 18 and moved to LA and oh, you know and it, you know I can't even think but about you, that. Or, you know you, you don't say that in a regretful way I actually say it to my wife okay <laughs> but like, what's happened to me you know there'll be a totally like, different thing a totally a different kind of immersion I was, I was kidding she might she'll never watch this no, we're no. safe we could say anything doesn't matter but the, the reality is we we chose the lives that we have well and, and we obviously enjoy them enough and, yes. and the things that you know that those um the busyness gives us that are things separate from filmmaking enough that we're willing to take the time to get to well, whatever goals we have to i think what we're talking about right now we're is talking about being old men <laughs> we are talking about being ancient but i think what we're saying if someone were to say what was the takeaway for this episode it's that idea of immersion yeah. into mm-hmm. a thing mm-hmm. We started by talking about the weirdness of you saying mm-hmm. I needed to finish my book. Mm-hmm. I should which, say. Which you did. I had a book. Yeah. That's the weird thing. I did have a book. And because I met him, maybe that's why I finished my book. I don't know. Came out in 2011. Mm-hmm. 2011, that's when everything started Autogenic happening. Autogenic memory. Boom. This is me. Um, this idea of Amazon. getting to the end point of something was my problem and is still my problem because mm-hmm. you want to do it right mm-hmm. and you're always tweaking mm-hmm. but also as you say that immersion mm-hmm. must be you must love it on some yeah, level you I have think so. to I think so and the making of something has to be its own reward yeah if you're desperate to get to the end point yeah you're not going to make the documentary the best version it won't of be the topic. best version it of it, it you know and i mean but to uh, to speak to the weak side of that yeah you know we've been recognizing this lately and even talking about it and with other people that there's a strength that uh, some people have to be able to do it just good enough and you know yes. the, and there's certain things that deserve to be put into that space we're, gonna, we're going to interview some of those people yeah and it's not that they're negated less, or no, less, less you know what i'm less. trying to say so it's different it's just different so you know to to really round it out yeah we will talk to some of those people anyway that gives you a little bit of insight it's a, it's a into our brains we kind of self-evaluated a little bit ourselves which is kind of refreshing you scared um, me there too well, i didn't mean to scare you i don't i'm always i'm filled with fear i'm kind of motivated by fear you say that yeah <laughs> i do i say it <laughs> often it's I ask the Tums. Ask my Tums bottle. Yeah. Uh, I would like to end by, by yeah. saying this. People right now in this episode who might have listened to this episode, they just heard why we call our documentaries definitive. Mm-hmm. It's not that we have everything, mm-hmm. because you'll never get yeah. everything. It's that we've put everything. We've put everything. <laughs> this is the one where the people who made it, mm-hmm. they did everything they could, mm-hmm. and they only handed it in because somebody was grabbing it. Yeah. Like, no, 100%. That's the reality. Yeah. yeah. And we've had blowback because of that name. But to us, yeah. just like our name, Faux Pop, yeah. there's, a little, there's a little inside. This isn't a joke. There is a joke. But there's everything. an inside. There's a joke in everything. Yeah. And you, people that are listening and watching this podcast, thanks for joining us on the inside on episode two. I'm Randall Lobb. I'm Mark Hussey. And we're Faux Pop Media. You've been watching and listening or listening to Full Pop Film School. We'll see you next week.